All right, welcome back to another episode of the Cody Tucker Show. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Cody Tucker. Be sure to like and subscribe. Tell a friend. Um, check out the merch store. There's still some goddamn t-shirts in there. A couple magnets. Maybe like a coffee mug or something. There's some stuff in there. Just, you know, it would make me feel better if people bought some shit. <laughs> uh Especially after last night. So, or don't buy anything. It doesn't fucking matter. I mean, if you're even listening to this, thank you. <laughs> uh, so, if I seem a little uh, down in the dumps, it is because, well, I'm recording this Monday. So, last night was the big game. And boy, what a letdown it was. So, obviously, I mean, if you are new to the show, I am a diehard, massive Raiders fan. Ergo, I hate the Kansas City Chiefs with a fiery passion. And, of course, last night they won against the San Francisco 49ers. Luckily, I forgot to place all of my bets. (laughs) I had set aside, well, for me, way too much money that I had planned on putting all on the 49ers, maybe do a couple little uh, parlays or whatnot. I did do some, but it was like ones that I had put in a couple days before, not much money at all, but... Sunday, I was going to put in, (laughs) again, for me, you know, I mean, I'm not, you know, well off, but not uh, destitute either. I was going to put in more money than I should have. And for some reason, I got sidetracked with like making Super Bowl food completely slipped my mind. And boy, it has taught me a valuable lesson. I need to stop gambling. Because <laughs> I was about to lose way more money than I than I needed to. So, yeah. Lesson learned. Probably going to take it easy now. Now, granted, NFL season is over, so I was already going to... Actually, I had planned on switching over to NBA and NHL and just blowing through money betting on those games. And now I think I'm just, it's not going to (laughs) happen. I I think I've learned my lesson. I was so sure that the San Francisco 49ers were going to win that game last night. I, that, it pissed me off. I'm still, like, I'm coming down from, a mixture of just pure anger and hatred towards the Kansas City Chiefs and the fact that they won another fucking Super Bowl and that I am battling a case of diarrhea that... Now, I don't know if it is medically possible to be constipated and have diarrhea simultaneously, but... I think I might be the first person in human history to do it. (laughs) Cause right now it feels like there is, how can I describe this? It feels as though someone is trying to shove things up my colon whilst the top half of like like belly button up is trying to push things down. So they're in the, you know, mid 40. There is a war going on that will have no winners. <laughs> and I may or may not end up painting uh, <laughs> this wall within the next five minutes. So... If I if if you notice a hard cut, that's what happened. Um, yeah. So to recap, I mean, 
to explain why I'm in such a predicament, I ate. I mean, this may be hard for most people to believe, but I have a tendency to eat too much. <laughs> too much, too fast. I don't necessarily eat crazy unhealthy food. I mean, I'm definitely not eating fucking salads every day. But like I don't I don't eat a ton of fast food, really hardly any. Um like I cook damn near all my meals. I just eat so much and i went all out last night for the old uh for the big game wings pizza chorizo queso fucking uh, you know spinach i mean so much and ate i mean probably three days three or four days worth of food and the i mean i thought i was going to the acid reflux I had last night, <laughs> I thought was going to burn a hole in my damn esophagus. It was, it is just not good. I need to change things in my life. I'll start with gambling, which, again, you know, lost a little bit of money, but <laughs> boy, am I glad that, um, that that chorizo queso was much more complicated to make than I had anticipated. Because, <laughs> man, I I got out by the skin of my pecker. Oh, boy. So, anyways, to kind of recap the game. Game, actually, I'll say, and I am I do have a tendency to just shit on NFL referees. Like, every time I watch a game, like, how was this possible that – I mean, I don't know how much money the NFL is worth, but it's got to be just billions and billions and billions of dollars. And you have referees that damn near are coming out there with seeing eye dogs and make, and I'm pretty sure don't know the rules of like, don't know what the rules are. They're just kind of <laughs> throwing flags for no reason. I mean, it is astonishing that NFL referees are so bad, but last night, I mean, it was a damn near perfect game as far as that goes. And then, man, the 49ers could have won that game so many times. And, of course, the fucking can And goes into overtime, which has only happened, I think that was the second time, which it shouldn't have even went into overtime. 49ers should have won that game. I should have put all that money on the 49ers and won a lot of goddamn money. I didn't put money on them. They didn't win. Are the two things related? I don't know. But, okay, so there's the game. The game sucked. Piss, a horrible night. A halftime show. And I know that I have a tendency. It has been brought to my attention that I have a tendency to be very negative uh, through most things in life. Specifically, Super Bowl halftime shows that I have really not been a fan of any of them in the past 15 years, which is not true. The Dr. Dre Super Bowl halftime show, to me, top three halftime shows of all time. I mean, I'm pretty sure that I did like a ranking of it last year, but to just kind of like top of my head recap, Prince is number one. Nobody comes close. Prince is number one. Uh, I mean, U2's was actually good, even though, you know, U2's is pretty good. That might be number two. Springsteen, Rolling Stones, Dr. Dre. You know, uh, any variation of those. But obviously Prince, number one. Um, worst, <laughs> say top five worst, Black Eyed Peas, number one, Katy Perry, the weekend, Rihanna, Lady Gaga. Probably five worse. The Who. The Who would be up there. The Who might actually be like second worst. <laughs> Boy, that was a rough one. So, you know. And then here herein lies the middle. Actually, Michael Jackson's up there too, like for being one of the best. I kind of forget that he did one. I mean, it's like the first one. The first like big one. Yeah. All right, anyways, so I'm going to try to be very positive talking about last night's halftime show. 
because yeah, for the past almost basically past ten years, I've just completely shat on. I mean, speaking of God, there's no way I'm getting through this without. <laughs> Anyways, the yeah, it's coming out. All right, well, hold on, I'll be right back. Okay, um, <laughs> so I don't know what colon cancer feels like, but that had to be pretty close. <laughs> oh my God. <sighs> yeah, sorry if I seem a little off. I just had to shove like three ice cubes up my ass. Holy hell. All right, so where was I? Super Bowl game horrible. Almost went to the backyard and blew my fucking brains out. Um, Halftime. Halftime show. Going to be positive. No negativity. Not going to say that Usher only has like two decent songs and then a bunch of bullshit. Not going to say that Jermaine Dupri kind of looked like he was wearing a Shirley Temple costume. Not going to say that. Not going to mention anything about why the fuck they were roller skating. <laughs> um, all right. So positive, positive, positive. Alicia Keys. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Alicia Keys might be. Alicia Keys might be the, yeah, that's like number one. Holy shit. You kind of forget because Alicia Keys is usually like sitting down at a piano that like, <laughs> if I was old Usher, it'd be real hard not to go back there and uh, sniff that old piano bench. <laughs> oh, God. You can almost hear the people fucking throwing up in their mouths right now. Sorry. Anyways. Yeah, Alicia Keys, holy shit. So there's a positive. Um Ludacris. Just have Ludacris do a damn halftime show. Like you know, they were really kind of hyping up Usher as though he is like a living legend. I don't think so. Unless I have not gotten the like, to me, like, I put Usher at, like, the same level as, like, Genuine. Much rather have Genuine do the halftime show, if I'm being honest. But I kind of put them, like, Usher, Genu Like, Usher is, like, the R&B version of... P.O.D. <laughs> or Puddle of Mud. Like, there's a couple good songs, and then every other song just sounds the exact fucking same. Uh, yeah, I don't get it. I mean, I know I'm trying to be fucking, you know, I guess positivity's out the window. It wasn't terrible. For me, just not really being an Usher fan. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who are Usher fans who are like, you're out of your fucking mind. Every one of his songs are good. Fair enough. Touche. Uh, I'm just not an Usher fan. And so when I was watching, I was like, okay. Like, Usher, clearly a very good performer. Like, uh, like probably like a if there's tiers of performance ability, he's at the top. Like, he's in that top group. The uh, point of the pyramid. I just don't think his music's good. Sorry. Um, I mean, I have a feeling that just nobody wants to do that fucking halftime show. Because it's a lose-lose. You're always going to get compared to Prince. And there's no chance that you're coming close to that. And people just try to do too much shit and they end up looking dumb as fuck. Like, why was Jermaine Dupri... Why was he there? A... When we all kind of, I, I mean, I feel like we all know, you know, what Jermaine Dupri was up to for 
for quite some time. Like, why is he there? Then, why is he... Like, Jermaine Dupri might wear a children's size 3 shoe. <laughs> like, his feet kind of look like deer hooves. Like, there is no... <laughs> like, it just goes ankle to top of foot. Like, there's no... <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, he's... So, I don't get... I don't know what the fuck was going on with that. And then, you know, Ludacris and Little John coming out was... I'm pretty sure I just said Little John. Well, boy, oh boy. Ludacris and Lil John. Definitely a highlight of the night. So, you know, all said and done... A pretty shit Super Bowl. <laughs> There's just no positivity here. I'm sorry. I would like to be more positive. I would like to become a more positive person. And I just don't think it's going to happen. Not today. The game sucked. Would have been awesome if 49ers won. They didn't. Chiefs won. Game sucks. Uh, went into overtime. Which meant that I took in probably another half a pack of cigarettes through straight nerves. And I woke up this morning thinking that it felt like there was like, it felt like I had licked an ashtray. Like I which is probably what it's like to fucking, you know, like probably what it's like to hook up with Meryl Streep. Probably get the same taste. Maybe Hillary Clinton. Anyways. Uh, so that's not good. That definitely... I would say last night... You know how they say like every pack of cigarettes you smoke is taking away like a year of your life? Or something like that. Which that can't be true because I would have been dead like five years ago. But there's some bullshit that says that. Like every pack of cigarettes is a year off your life. Alright. Um... Yeah, tell that to like most of my family members that were like you know on oxygen tanks smoking and you know anyways not that that's really like a goal you should want to achieve but I don't know. um what, what the fuck am I talking about cigarettes so you know if that whole thing is kind of true that like the more like bad shit you do, the more it can take off of your life. That Super Bowl alone, probably, I'm being legitimately serious, took like adding in like the, the stress, the smoke inhalation, and the near diabetic coma that I put myself into, um, probably three and a half years got taken off that's not good but it's the love of the game anyways so there's the uh <laughs> half <laughs> the fucking horrible recap of the super bowl um i mean obviously you probably watched the game so it doesn't really fucking matter what i thought about it but anyways so there we go there's that moving on to some news all right, here we go. Oh, oh, man. So, King Charles III. See, how does that work? So, it's just any king. So, when you become that person's name, do they? so they don't change their name like the Pope. Because that always kind of fucked me up is that, like, Pope Francis's name is not Francis. Pope John Paul II's name is not John or Paul. Uh, first name, first name. And so for his name to not be John Paul, then how the fuck is he John Paul II if he's not even a, a John Paul? So do they just go off of like, there was once a Pope named John Paul and then you become the second one who takes that name so you are now John Paul? Like, is that why, because there's been two King Charleses in England's history that he's King Charles III? Anyways, that's a, a real, uh, yeah, I guess, look into my dumbass brain. But anyways, so King Charles III diagnosed with cancer, uh, coming from, you know, Buckingham Palace. Uh, King Charles has been diagnosed with a form of cancer. 
they haven't said what. Boy. I mean, if it's my guess, finger cancer. <laughs> I don't know if finger cancer is a thing, but if anyone on this planet has it, it's uh, old, old King Chuck. That motherfucker. <laughs> the kill bosses hanging off of that some bitch's palms. That can't be normal. Um, but also, the amount of inbreeding that has gone into the royal family's bloodline. Uh, I mean, there's no fucking telling. He could have some form of cancer that has never been discovered. And that could be why they're just saying he has a cancer. <laughs> they're like, look, we know something's wrong with this son of a bitch. But we do not know what it is. I mean, just when you listen to these motherfuckers talk. One doesn't know what one's Like, they all... They all kind of sound like they have mouth cancer. Maybe a little bit of, like, tongue cancer. Maybe they're just born with it. Which is possible. Because they're all, like, hemophiliacs, I think, as well. That might not be a thing anymore. But I think for, like, a certain amount of time, they were all hemophiliacs. Poor fucking dude. I mean, you wait this long to become king, to reign supreme <laughs> on the United Kingdom, brother. And now you <laughs> they tell you you got like a year to live. <laughs> if I waited that long to become the king of England and then got told I had a year to live, I would do. I mean, it would be fucking Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> it'd be a mix of fucking I'd it'd be like Nero watching that fucker burn Caligula Sodom and Gomorrah I mean I am Castro uh and Clinton I am doing the most horrifying shit that I could do now obviously I mean I'm not committing like a fucking mass genocide or some shit but like I'm definitely, oh man, what a life that would be to be the king of it. Because they don't really, they don't live up to their potential of like what they can do. Now, I don't exactly know. I mean, I did watch every single episode of The Crown and I still don't really know what it is that they do, (laughs) which if there's any I mean, if there's anything that's going to give you an insight of, like, what it is that they do and, like, make you understand it, it should be that show. I am more clueless now than I was before watching that show as to what the fuck it is that the royal family does. It looks like all they do is go to different countries. It looks like all they do is go on vacation and occasionally meet with the prime minister to hear, like, what the fuck they're doing. And then they just go, okay, and then he leaves. I don't really understand it. And I mean, it seems like all they really do is they just try to ruin each other's lives, (laughs) which I mean, if that makes you, you know, royalty, then holy shit, my family is like the goddamn Romanovs. (laughs) Like if just shitting on people who think differently (laughs) <laughs> like, I mean, my family are right in line with these sons of bitches. And I don't think we have any power. But, like, if I somehow, which I'm sure just by being white, I'm sure in some way I'm related to these bastards. <laughs> I mean, I've done, you know, the whole ancestry family tree shit. I've never found any relation to... uh you know, old Liz, but I just imagine that I am in some way, probably down the line related to these fucking inbred bastards. Um, if somehow they all, you know, died of natural causes and I became the King of England, the absolute mayhem, you know, Like, I don't consider myself to be in any way, like, a violent person. I'm terrified of confrontations. Um, I've never had any kind of, like, power or control or anything like that. And even if, like, I did, 
I definitely wasn't aware of it. <laughs> I mean, I, I am kind of a bitch in, you know, if I'm just putting it uh, frankly. But if you sat my ass on a throne, boy, there would be a, there would be an absolute monster <laughs> that would be released. And I think herein lies the issue with any form of like government power, royalty, like any of that, is that these people are probably good people if they were working at a fucking bank. If they were like a, or, you know, if they were like a school teacher or, uh, you know, worked at a fucking call center, they'd probably be like decent, normal people. But because, I mean, there's just something that comes out of people. And maybe some people are just born that way. I mean, because there's obviously shit people. I mean, fucking Jeffrey Dahmer was working in a, was he working for like, like at a brewery or something in Milwaukee. I mean, he wasn't doing anything special with his life. Ted Bundy was pretending to be a lawyer. <clears throat> so maybe it isn't just, you know, I mean, John Wayne Gacy, I think, yeah, was doing birthday clown shit and ran a KFC. You know, there's not, maybe you're just, I don't know. Maybe power has nothing to do with it. Maybe they're just good people and bad people. I don't know. I like to think I'm a pretty good person. I mean, I'm, you know, not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but, like, I mean, I've never committed, like, any serious crimes. But I just feel like if if someone put me in charge of something, I'm only doing things that are going to benefit me. <laughs> Fuck the people. <laughs> Vox Populi, my ass. <laughs> I mean, y'all can fuck off. I am... Giving, I mean, I'm doing, I'm doing whatever the hell I want. So maybe I, I definitely should not be a person who's in charge of anything. And years from now, if I ever run for government office, somebody's going to clip that and be like, <laughs> yeah. Which, seeing how it fucking, you know, pans out, it'd probably get my ass elected immediately. Anyways. That's neither here nor there. Uh, I just feel, you know, as much as King Charles is probably a... I mean, look at him. I mean, he kind of looks like... Like if Helen Mirren wasn't wearing makeup. It's pretty much what he looks like. But, you know, it's hard not to feel sorry for the bastard. Even though, yeah, rich as shit, powerful person. And maybe this is just, see, I think this is just payback for him fucking ditching smoking hot Princess Diana for that goddamn fucking weevil, uh, Camilla, <laughs> Camilla, like that, that make you deserve this, you son of a bitch, like. What? How does that happen? People are just so fucking stupid. Maybe it's like a British dude thing. Because Hugh Grant at one point was banging uh, Elizabeth Hurley and cheated on her ass with what looked like what looked to be Lawrence Taylor in a wig. And you know, so maybe it's just like a British dude thing where they're just like toss away smoking hot women for, you know, the most dumpiest fucking people on the planet. I don't know. It's just, I mean, God, to be waiting that long to finally get in charge. And then you think like, I mean, anytime your mom coughs, you're like, <laughs> like hoping it's the big one. And then this bitch lives to be like, 150 You're like holy shit I'm gonna die before she does I'm gonna be prince of Wales uh, you know I'm gonna die and she's still gonna be you know queen supreme holy hell it's got gotta feel bad for the son of a bitch anyways alright time to let's move on to the next topic because this is just getting ridiculous <clears throat> so I 
you know, I have never paid much mind to the idea of Groundhog Day. Uh, it's all a bunch of, you know, pagan witchcraft. Uh, and as a hardcore Southern Baptist, I do not give any mind uh, credence to this. So whenever I saw this, I said, yes, here we go. It turns out Poxitani Phil and his ancestors have an accuracy rate of 39%. Going back to 1887. And now, I want you to look at this picture. Now, obviously look at the dipshit holding him. Who's still dressed like, you know, a fucking pilgrim. Now, but look at Poxitani Phil. That wormy little shit. I mean, for one, I kind of feel sorry for little Phil. Because he didn't ask for any of this. He did not ask to become the, a, you know, a future teller. He's not a goddamn oracle. <laughs> He's just a, a fucking rat that, for some reason, <laughs> at the beginning of February, some fucking bearded bastard rips him out of his little hole, it holds him up in the air, and then, <laughs> and then either makes people super happy or super sad. And this little son of a bitch gets all the blame. Look at him. He is fed up with this. Like, I have been do I've been playing your game for, I mean, who knows how long this, I mean, I wonder how long groundhogs live. It can't be more than, like, two years. And people were saying that he has an actuary 39%, like he, like he's, sucks at his job. He did not, this son of a bitch, <laughs> he didn't ask for any of this. He just wants to live in his hole and eat, I don't know, acorns maybe, worms, grubs. I don't know what the fuck groundhogs eat. Um, he doesn't want to be put on fucking display like this. But it does kind of prove that you, you it's way better to, they should just reverse it. Like the sea shadow, not sea shadow is the opposite. Because he's right, I mean, he's wrong more than he's right. He's right 39%, so he's wrong What's that? 61%? I mean, this this groundhog's a goddamn idiot. Has been for a long time, it seems. But I just saw that, and I guess uh, we're getting six more weeks of winter. I don't really know. I don't know which is which. See shadow, you get winters. Don't see it, you get summer. I don't get this. I just saw this, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Because... It was on the news, like, the people just shitting over it. Like, I mean, the crowd that was lined up to see this little fucking guinea pig get ripped out of his hole. <laughs> this poor bastard. Oh, man. Anyways. So, I just thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, moving on. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> so, Bill Cosby sued for alleged 1986 sexual assault of teen in a Las Vegas hotel. Boy, oh, boy. Another one. Motherfucking Bill Do. Bill Cosby. <laughs> it just never ends. So this came out, and I was talking to some people about it. And their reaction was baffling to me. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it up. Because it turns out it's kind of the sentiment of a lot of people. And I don't understand it. The people I was talking to when we were talking about it, they basically were on Dr. Cosby's side saying that this woman, and I'm quoting the people I was talking to, is just looking for money. Now, they are saying this as though that is a bad thing. Let me tell you fucking something. If I woke up from a unexpected nap, looked over, and saw Heathcliff Huxtable licking his fingers, yeah, I'd want some goddamn money. What are they supposed to get? <laughs> like, what are, what are these women supposed to be getting from Bill Cosby? Like, a fuck, they're not going to ask him for an autograph. <laughs> like, they have been, like, had one of the worst things that could happen to a woman have happened to them. Yeah, give me some goddamn money. 
I wouldn't care if they came out and said, yeah, I don't care. I just, I want his fucking money. I would be 100% on their side. Get it. Get his fucking money. Go get it, girl. Like, like what are they supposed to be looking for? Like, what? it makes no sense to me. And I'll, now I'll just be completely honest here. I think it's a good trade-off. I don't know how much money Bill Cosby has, but it's probably a pretty decent amount. I mean, if you have a show that goes into syndication, you're pretty much set for life, it seems. I mean, goddamn Jerry Seinfeld is worth like a billion dollars. How the fuck is that possible? I mean, I love Seinfeld, but... I mean... I mean, he's not fucking... He's not Leonardo da Vinci. I mean... <laughs> I mean yeah, anyways. But yeah, so Bill Cosby probably got a pretty good uh pretty good bit of scratch on him. So yeah, I'd be coming for it. And I think it'd be a good trade off. I would if Bill Cosby offered me a drink, I'm shotgunning that thing. <laughs> I mean I might show up to the meeting wearing pajamas. <laughs> Way ahead of you, Bill. <laughs> I would show up in footy pajamas. I would ask him, "Do you have a drink?" Like, "Hey, can I? Hey, my, can I get something to drink? My throat's dry." And I mean, I am chugging that thing so fast. Probably bring a little neck pillow with me and say, "All right, see you in see you in an hour, Bill." <laughs> and then, as soon as I wake up kind of, you know, maneuver around a little bit, see if anything feels different. And if it does, fucking ka-ching. I am coming for that motherfucker 30 years from now for so much money. I'm fucking suing his estate. Uh, Camille. Everybody. I'm getting fucking my... Look, I will let... I mean, the... I'm... As I'm saying all this out loud, I mean, I'm joking, but kind of not really. I mean, yes, kind of joke, but I think I would do it, which I don't know what that, I mean, that can't be saying anything good about me. But then again, I mean, having sex for money is not a bad thing. It's your fucking your choice. Do whatever you want. I mean, if it got me enough money I would 100% let Rosie O'Donnell fucking slaughter nuts across my forehead if it got me you know a, if it got me like three nights at the Bellagio and maybe like a couple grand in credit 100% would do that and that's you know I don't know if that's really how your mind your mindset should be. But too late now. I'm just saying, like of course they're asking, like why the fuck is that a, a bad thing that this woman is like and I mean I'm not saying that this woman who is doing this is is coming out like looking for money. It's probably pretty fucking tough to cuz then you become known like forever as the victim. Like, you are, no matter what the fuck you do, you're the sexual assault victim. That's who you're, that's what you're known as. And, yeah, like, do you really want to, like, do that to yourself? But that's, that. yeah, it probably would be pretty fucking hard to, you know, to come out when you know that that's what's pretty much going to happen to you. So... Yeah, people coming out 30 years later is not weird to me. Like, <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Because now they're like, you know, whatever, 60, 50, probably 60-something. Like, fuck it. Yeah. Let me live the rest of my life comfortably, you know, if I can get, like, a little bit of money. And, yeah, I mean, what, people call me a fucking victim now? I don't give a shit. I'm 60. I come by 100% back it. And maybe the person goes to prison for what they did. Now, maybe they go to prison for like three weeks. 
<laughs> and then come right back out. Uh, but, you know, I'm just saying. I mean, if Cat Williams wants to rub his vagina, you know, across my nose and send me to the Bahamas, fair trade. Fair trade. Yeah, so... That being said, let's see, I think I might have one more thing on here. Um, oh, here we go. Holy shit. So, to preface, this is real. Uh, this is not like from the onion. <laughs> this is real. Don't weigh me cards. Aim to reduce stress at the doctor's office. A body positivity website has created free Don't Weigh Me cards for patients who find stepping on the scale at the doctor's office stressful. The card says, if I can read this, god damn, that's, god, my eyesight is so fucking bad. And I'm wearing goddamn specs. Alright, hold on, this is going to look real shitty for a second, but I just want to zoom in on this card and find out what it says. Alright. Don't weigh me unless it's really medically necessary. If you really need my weight, please tell me why so that I can give you my informed consent. <laughs> oh my God. How is this what life is? Let me tell you. Look. I... It, <laughs> I'm not a doctor, not a nurse, not even a, an LVN. I'm just a guy. But if I go to the doctor's office and they do something, I am assuming that there's a medical reason why they're doing it. I doubt they're weighing me because the fucking nurses in the back <laughs> had an, an over-under going. I... I'm pretty sure it's so that they can tell whether or not I need to lose some fucking weight. Which, you know, you don't have to be goddamn. I mean, you don't have to be the fucking, you know, number one in your class from Johns Hopkins to realize that, yeah, I need to lose some weight. But at the same time, whenever they check my blood pressure, I always wonder, why are you checking my blood pressure? I have never once said, hey, that, I mean, now granted, whenever they do it, that cuff hurts like a son of a bitch. So yeah, I would rather you not check my blood pressure, but I also would like to know if uh, I'm going to be dead in the next two weeks. <laughs> so yeah, go ahead and check my blood pressure. Let me know if my blood pressure is good. Always is, by the way. So, you know. And yeah, and so when they weigh me, I'm assuming there's a reason why they're doing it. I am. I have never once been ashamed that they're weighing me. If you are ashamed of your weight, now this whole, so this whole thing, this so it's a body positivity thing. Well, you must not be that positive about your body. <laughs> if you go into a full fucking panic attack whenever someone needs to weigh you, not someone. It's not like you're going to fucking. You know, get your tires rotated. And they're like, hey, would you mind stepping on this scale real quick? <laughs> like you're in a doctor's office. It's not fucking Old Navy. Like you are going into a doctor's office where anything they do is for a reason. Um, like why are they shining a flashlight into my ears? Not sure, but I'm sure there's a reason for it. Um... Why, you know, unless you're going to get a prostate exam and when they do it, you feel two hands on your shoulders. That'd be about the only time you should be worried about what's going on in your doctor's office. Otherwise, just assume things are on the up and up and that it's needed. This shit, this fucking body positivity shit. And this is coming from a big old fat fuck who has been for a very long time, probably 90, 85% of my life, I've been morbidly obese. Uh, you know, not to brag. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I've never needed to hand someone a card saying it would make me feel sad if you weighed me, doctor. 
Like, don't weigh me unless it's really medically necessary. It is. They're not weighing you for fun, stupid. It's not a carnival. Like, I mean, if you really need my weight, please tell me why. They don't need to tell you why. You're not a fucking doctor. You are in no, clearly not, because if you think that your weight doesn't matter, then you're a fucking idiot. If you think, which there has, uh, there's become this thing that, I mean, I don't know how many people actually believe this, but enough to where, you know, it's on the internet. (laughs) But people who like insist that there is no medical downside to being obese, that it has no, it has no direct medical negativity Uh, I worded that real fucking weird it has no direct correlation to health issues now how the fuck is that possible there is no way that that is true because you don't just get fat (laughs) I didn't just live a life of exercising seven days a week and eating fucking vegetables and like healthy shit and, you know, you know, uh, uh, reasonable portions and then just wake up one morning and holy shit, (laughs) I gained 260 pounds last night. I did this to myself. Uh, No one forced me to become fat. I did it by not exercising enough and eating too much. If you uh, losing weight is very simple, not, not easy, Simple. Eat less, exercise more. Burn more than you're taking in. It's, it, it is not rocket surgery to uh, know how to, to lose weight. I'm not, it is obviously very difficult to change habits. <laughs> I know. But this whole fucking thing that like being fat is okay. There's nothing wrong with it. And I'm not saying like, I'm not saying you should just walk around hating yourself because you're fat. Um, I mean, you definitely shouldn't be, like, thrilled. (laughs) You shouldn't. I have never once looked in the mirror and been like, God damn, I'm so happy right now. (laughs) I, I, you know, it's either usually a look of, like, God, this has got to change. Or I just ignore it. And there's never been a, there's never been a second look of like god damn this is this is what I should look like <laughs> and you know <coughs> I don't know the body positivity is just so stupid like you shouldn't be positive about things that are negative you shouldn't be negative about things that are positive uh, you know like when somebody like starts exercising and losing loses weight, they start looking better, start feeling better, looking better. People will always say, "Wow, you look great." Not that you needed to do it. Not that you needed to lose weight. Fuck that. That is, as someone who has lost weight before, like a pretty decent amount, obviously, <laughs> long time ago. But at one point, I did. Uh, that never felt better to have somebody say, oh, well, you didn't need to lose weight. But but now that you did, good job. Because then it's like, well, what the fuck did I do all this bullshit for? <laughs> I mean, running on a goddamn elliptical seven days a week and eating like a goddamn rabbit was not fun. I did this shit uh, to look good. And, you know... Uh, Ergo, also feel good. But don't tell me that I didn't need to do it. Like, say, thank God you aren't so fucking disgusting anymore. That's what you should say to people. Now, maybe say it in like a little bit of a nicer way, but that needs to be the message that you're giving to people. Like when people... It's just insane. Body positivity is such a stupid fucking thing. Like, unless you look good... You should not feel great about how you look. I mean, yeah, you don't need to be 
like spiraling yourself into fucking depression. What the fuck? But you do need to be very realistic about how you look and how you feel and what is medically happening to like what is physically happening to your body when you're fat. It's not good. It is not good. And I know that, I mean, I'm not trying to sound hypocritical. I'm saying this as someone who like feels it. <laughs> like, do you think if I ran up two flights of stairs, I'd be all right? Hell no. <laughs> There's not a chance. But if I lost, say if I lost a hundred pounds, I'd still be overweight. I'd be 255 pounds. It's not like crazy overweight, but still overweight. Um, it would be a lot easier to run up. I could run up eight flights of stairs, maybe. Hmm. Probably. There's a reason why it was harder to do at 350 pounds. It's because it takes way more energy for you to move, whether you're doing something or not. Way more energy on your heart, way more energy on your, I mean, everything. Fucking stupid. It's just so stupid. And these fucking cards, if I was a doctor and I worked in a doctor's office and somebody handed me one of these cards, I'm fucking ripping it up and throwing it in their fucking goddamn face. Anyways, all right. So that's going to, it's that's enough of this. I, this has gone on far too long. Um, <laughs> time for a little bit of the old where that come from. Learn, uh, you know, learn some shit. All right. So here we go. Time for that. All right, so time for a little bit of the old where that come from. Take a famous uh, word or phrase, maybe the origins of a yeah object, name, whatever. Figure out where it comes from. Why does this thing exist? Like who invented it? How was it created? Why was it created? Um, you know, all that kind of good stuff. So today we're talking about an object that... It, probably everyone knows and has seen, maybe even handled this object before in some capacity. Doesn't maybe you do not know the history of it. Uh, so, for this one, going back to the late 1880s, Paris, France. Uh, some people walking by the uh, the River Seine in Paris, and they see a body floating in the river. Like, uh, that's not good. So. The people get in the river, pull out the body, uh, try to you know take a look, see, check her vitals, all that stuff. She's gone. It's this young woman who apparently had drowned and is now you know floating in the river. Uh, the person they pull out from the river, this young woman, she's gone. So take her body, send it to. Paris morgue. When it gets sent to the morgue, the pathologist working at the morgue looks at her and is caught very, very much off guard. Why he's caught so off guard is because looking at this young woman who is deceased sees that she is kind of smiling. And that is a little odd. <laughs> and the pathologist is very much like mesmerized by this. So much so that he has a plaster death mask done of her face, which was somewhat of a common practice, you know, back in the day. Uh, so not like super weird that he would do this, but it, a lot of the times it was done for like famous people. She was not a famous person yet. Uh, so this plaster mold of her face, her deceased face is done. That mold, that, you know, that cast of her face ends up getting turned into a mask. And that mask becomes mass produced around uh, 
like becomes mass produced around Europe, specifically uh, France, Germany, uh, Czechoslovakia, and it starts getting worn as a mask. Like it becomes a mask that people would wear to these like bohemian society parties, um, like a little eyes wide shutty, but. Yeah, it becomes a very popular mask for people to wear. Uh, now, obviously, these it starts getting over time starts getting even more and more popular. Uh, at some point, it becomes the standard of beauty for a pretty big portion of Europe, especially you know France, Germany, uh, a lot of Central Europe. Like that mask is seen as. Like, that's the ideal of beauty. <laughs> well, fast forward a little bit. In 1958, there's these two inventors, Peter Safar and Asmund Laerdal. They, working on this uh, new creation, end up using the cast of that face for, set event, uh, for that invention. So they take the cast they take the death mask of this young woman use it for the invention that they have just made that invention is to this day considered the most kissed face on earth it is the recessa and cpr doll so when you are looking at a cpr doll where they teach you how to do cpr that face on that CPR doll is the face of a young woman who drowned in a river died. Yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> the most kissed face ever is a dead girl. Yeah. Crazy stuff. I mean, to turn. Yeah. For them to take that face and put it on that CPR doll is fucking wild. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. When you look at that CPR doll and you see that tiny little smile, you think, Oh, it's, you know, happy. Uh, you're saving lives. That's the smile of a dead person. So keep that in mind and try not to let that haunt your dreams forever. All right. So time to move on to a little bit of the old half-ass history. And here we go. All right. So the first one for the old uh, half-ass history today. Boy, this is <laughs> maybe the most unluckiest human being ever. So person I'm talking about today is a fellow named Adolf Sachs, born in 1814 in Belgium. Little Adolf started having horrible shit happen to him at a very, very young age. Um, starting with, as a young child, he ends up falling out of a window, slamming into the ground below, manages to escape that pretty much unscathed. Then, later on, walking down the street, still a little kid, walking down the street, gets hit in the head with a brick. Nobody knew where it came from, just got smacked in the head with a brick survives a little bit later eating ends up swallowing a needle survives that then a little bit later ends up drinking a nearly lethal dose of acid fucking burns the hell out of his insides still survives then falls onto a super hot stove burns the hell out of his outsides survives then <laughs> is, is swimming, nearly drowns, survives. Then <laughs> is in a gunpowder explosion and survives. So all of these things happen to him at a very young age. Meanwhile, while so while he's dodging God trying to kill him, is somehow still able to work on the invention that would make him famous. That invention is a musical instrument that bears Adolf Sax's name. That instrument is the saxophone. 
So yeah, the guy that invented the saxophone <laughs> almost died like one, two, three, four, five, six, like nine times by the time he was like a teenager. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. So that's the story of Adolf Sax, the guy that invented the saxophone. Crazy. Um, I mean, if there's not, if there has never been a more obvious sign that God wants you gone <laughs> than the life of Adolf Sax. But without him, no Clarence Clemens. And, you know, for that, Adolf, we thank you. Ooh, God, I hope no. <laughs> Don't clip that. <laughs> All right, moving on to the next story. All right, so time for the second story of the day. Um, this one, an, an overlap that does not really make sense in your head, but is true somehow. <laughs> so for this one, we're going back to 1960s Atlanta, Georgia. In 1960s Atlanta, Georgia, there's a young couple named Walter and Betty Roberts. Walter and Betty own, so Walter and Betty at the time ran a children's theater group in Atlanta, Georgia. Now remember, 1960s Atlanta, uh, this is the peak of segregation. Hardly anything in the city of Atlanta was integrated, except for that children's theater group ran by Walter and Betty. So it's actually the only integrated children's theater group in all of Atlanta. Well, some of the students who, so, sorry, some of the children who went to uh, that theater group were the children of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Coretta Scott King. So a couple of their kids were in that theater group. Um, over time, MLK and Credit Scott King become very close friends with Walter and Betty. So much so that in 1967, the year before Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, uh, Walter and Betty were pregnant, uh, about to have their third child. Walter and Betty did not have a lot of money, barely enough to keep the theater group afloat. You know, yeah, just not a lot of money uh, between Walter and Betty. Well, again, they're pregnant with a third child. They end up going to the hospital to have that child. When they go, they find out that all of their hospital bills have been paid for by their friends, Martin Luther King Jr. and Coretta Scott King. Walter and Betty Roberts that day gave birth to their third child, Julia Roberts. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about a hell of a coincidence. My God. So yeah, Martin Luther King Jr. paid for Julia Roberts' uh, hospital bills. Pretty wild. All right, so time for the last story, and then we'll be out of here. All right, so for the last story of the day, going back a little bit further, talk about um, definitely a pretty well-known figure in American history. That person, probably seen on a, maybe a gold coin, remember reading about uh, in history class when you were little, it's a young woman named Sacagawea. So Sacagawea was part of the Shoshone tribe, young Native American woman. Well, when Sacagawea was a little kid, another tribe came in and captured all the children in her tribe. Uh, so this other tribe come, uh, sorry, so when Sacagawea was a little kid, this other tribe came in and captured the children. They end up selling the children to other tribes. So they all get separated. Now, this is Sacagawea, some of her siblings, all the other kids. They all end up getting separated and never going to see each other again. So, yeah, pretty horrible thing to happen to young Sacagawea. Well, fast forward a little bit. Uh, in 1803, Thomas Jefferson makes the Louisiana Purchase. 
occupies this massive part of the United of what becomes the United States. Um, Thomas Jefferson, Louisiana Purchase, the U.S. You know, gains all this land. Thomas Jefferson needs someone to go, kind of scope it out, kind of map out the geography, see what's going on uh, in this new area. Well, the two fellows that he hires, obviously, Lewis and Clark. Everybody knows Lewis and Clark. So Lewis and Clark are going to navigate uh, this new area of the United States. They need someone who, like, knowing that, so knowing that they're going to have a lot of run-ins with Native Americans, need someone who can kind of help guide them, someone who can speak the language, knows the customs and cultures of these groups, someone who can help them out. Well, they end up hiring a 16-year-old Sacagawea. So, Sacagawea ends up helping them, you know, helping them with their expedition. Uh, At one point, they're going to have to cross the Rocky Mountains. Now, to do this, they're going to have to have horses. So, they're relying on Sacagawea to be able to get them horses. So, they come across a Shoshone uh, they sorry. So they come across a Shoshone tribe. Sacagawea goes, talks with the chief of that tribe. As they're talking, Lewis and Clark are kind of standing in the background, just watching, seeing like what's going on. And kind of out of nowhere, Sacagawea kind of starts losing it, uh, getting like pretty hysterical. And they're not sure what's going on. Because obviously they don't speak the language. They're just watching Sacagawea and this chief and are like, uh-oh. Like, this is this bad? Is this good? Like, what's going on? Well, it turns out that as Sacagawea and this chief were talking, that they realized that they were long-lost brothers and sisters who were separated way back when they were little kids. Had never seen each other since, didn't know what happened to each other, didn't know if either one of them were even still alive, and just by chance met each other that day. And yeah, crazy. <laughs> yeah, pretty wild story. But that is the uh, the story of Sacagawea and her long-lost brother. So, anyways, hope you found those interesting. Uh, you know, that'll do it for today's episode. Leave a comment. I don't know. If you want to buy a shirt, there's some shirts. <laughs> All right. So until next week, uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, see you then. Goodbye.